0: Hi, welcome back. I hope you had a wonderful week. We're continuing in Numbers. Remember, Numbers is the historical narrative of the time in the wilderness starting a year after the beginning of the Exodus. In Numbers 11, the people are grumbling and complaining about the loss of the comfort and the food that they had in Egypt. They actually preferred comfort under oppression than trusting God. And this angered the Lord, and he sent fire that, quote, consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. Moses heard the people's complaints and brought them to God. God appointed and anointed help for Moses. So perhaps by this point in time, Moses had taken on a little bit too much and realized that he needed some more help. Of course, that was also prevalent in the beginning when Moses didn't feel that he could take on the speaking aspect of being the leader, and the Lord provided Aaron to help him with that aspect. So Moses heard the people's complaints, brought them to God. God pointed an anointed help from Moses. Then God also sent quail again, but also with that a plague. And Some think that perhaps that could have been some food poisoning that was in the quail that had dropped and been on the ground for a while. This is part of their migratory path, possibly. We talked about this in one of the earlier episodes where we talked about the first appearance of the quail with the manna at the beginning of the Exodus. So Moses' siblings begin to question his relationship with his wife, who is an Ethiopian woman. But what they were really questioning was Moses' divine placement as spiritual leader. Maybe a little bit of jealousy here, or maybe they had some genuine concerns, particularly since Moses seemed to have a little bit of an issue governing, or maybe a little bit of both, or maybe there was something else involved. Well, this questioning upset the Lord. The pillar of cloud retreated, and Miriam, Moses' sister, was white as snow. She was leprous. She, was, she along with Aaron, questioned Moses about this. They're his siblings. Well, Moses prayed for her healing while Miriam was shut out of the camp for seven days. She eventually is healed, comes back in the camp, and then the camp moves again, stopping in Paran or Paran. In Numbers 13, Moses, per the Lord's instructions, sends 12 spies to Canaan, one from each tribe. This is kind of representative. We see this a lot in these books where all of the tribes are represented equally. And the purpose here was to determine the threats ahead. The report back were giants, the sons of Anak, but this could likely have been an exaggeration, maybe because the spies felt that they shouldn't go forward. In Numbers 14, Israel grumbles again in the the face of the scouts' negative reports, the doom and gloom. Now, two of the scouts, Joshua and Caleb, suggested going on the offensive. In other words, trusting in the Lord. But the majority grumble, which angers the Lord again, who pronounces the Israelites will will wander now for forty years total in the wilderness before finding the promised land. So, not necessarily wandering though, but given this time extended to trust in the Lord before, perhaps. The Lord deems them worthy to make it to the promise, into the promised land. Certainly, it doesn't seem like that they would have been around for 40 years if they had fully trusted in the Lord beforehand. In Numbers 15, offerings to atone for their sins of not trusting in the Lord. All of the scouts, except for Joshua and Caleb, as I said, Joshua and Caleb were spared for their faithfulness, but the others were killed because they disobeyed. Number 16, Korah leads an uprising against Moses, questioning his authority. So we see this again. God reaffirms his choice of Moses and Aaron for the priesthood and causes the earth to open up and swallow Korah and some of his followers, and then a fire consumed the rest. And then to sort of dramatically show and settle the idea of who, who should be leading the priesthood, 12 rods, each for each of the tribes were gathered. And it was Aaron's rod, that rod, that blossomed with almond flowers. This showed that Aaron's clan was blessed and to be the appointed and anointed priests. Numbers 18, Aaron's priestly clan was responsible for the tabernacle. The Levites associated with the upkeep. Violation penalty, others touching or being near holy areas, meant death. And this was not supposed to be a just punitive for the sake of being a punishment, but it, it, it was meant to prevent the wrath of God upon the people because now the people are learning we need to follow exactly what the Lord says and not have folks that take that lightly. The cycle of blessings is introduced here, and here's the cycle of blessings. First, the Lord instructs. Then the faithful, upon their execution, are blessed by the Lord with fruitful harvests and then the firstborn or the first fruits also from the those harvests are sacrificed and then the remains are consumed by the priests and tithes and offerings are then presented to the levites the levites tithes and offerings from there are presented to Aaron and the priesthood who in turn will make additional offerings to the lord and then This cycle continues. The Lord will instruct further. Um, 19, laws for the purification of sins and the use of the resultant ashes. 20, Miriam dies at Kadesh. The people had returned to Kadesh after 40 years. So now we've leapt ahead. People again complained. God instructed Moses to gather the people and produced abundant water from a rock by striking his staff. So another miracle. One would think by now that the people probably had seen enough miracles that their belief wouldn't be questioned, it would just be standard. But water from the rock, and the Lord pronounced that since Moses and Aaron had sinned on the journey, they wouldn't be allowed to enter the Promised Land. They'd be able to just see it. Uh, Eleazar becomes the high priest, and then shortly thereafter, Aaron dies. Numbers 21, Israel begins the formal push into the promised land. Treaties of passage and battles ensued. Their faithfulness re- resulted in the Lord fighting their battles with them after sinning resulted in fiery serpents. So this is where Moses created then the staff with the serpent, the brass serpent on top. And and the act of acknowledging that serpent on the staff was not a worship to the serpent. It was bowing to the will of God. Now, in 22, we sort of take a left-hand turn out of nowhere, and Moses isn't involved at all. This is the story of Balaam, a pagan uh, divination expert, if I pronounce that right. I believe that that's where you try to find water. God uses Balaam to pronounce future blessings for Israel. But it took a while to convince Balaam Balaam, not to curse the Israelites because that's what King Balak wanted. And this is the story as it goes through finally what convinced Balaam was when he was riding the donkey and the donkey spoke to him. In Numbers 23, Balaam sacrifices twice when Balak tries to change to try to change, rather, try to get Balaam chained. In God's message that Balaam was to proclaim about blessings for Israel, Balak, again, wanted Israel cursed. Now, the third sacrifice, they did two sacrifices, like I said, they sacrificed twice, but the third sacrifice then was where they could actually see the camp. And there, Balaam spontaneously prophesizes about Israelis, the Israel's blessings and that angers Balak again. Balaam prophesizes about a story about Jacob and a scepter out of Israel, which later was interpreted to refer to the Messiah. Now, moving away from that story again, we return now to the point of view of the Israelites, they begin to interact with the Moabs, sleeping with women, worshiping the Baal, the or Baal pair, the Moab God. This is not pleasing to God either. God instructs Moses to impale the heads of the sinners to prevent further corruption. He also set for us a plague that kills 24,000. Numbers 26, God instructs Moses to take a second census on the doorstep of the promised land. So about 39 years later, the total warriors are 601,730. So these are men 20 to, I believe, 50. This is down 1,820 from the first census. They did fight battles along the way. And the promised land would be divided by the tribe, tribe size. So we have some discussion about that. And then Zalephid, daughters, I am not pronouncing that right, but let's just let it go. Give me some grace, please. Uh, Successfully petitioned for the land inheritance because basically they were the last ones left in their clan and with no men to help produce, they didn't want the lineage to end. They didn't want to lose the inheritance. Uh, Moses is shown all of the promised land and was told that Joshua shall lead the people in. And that brings us to the end of this week's readings. Just a short commentary. I have problems sometimes reading these books, these passages, particularly when it talks about God instructing the people to go out and kill, or God killing people. Um, It almost seems out of spite, and I know it isn't, but Just because I struggle with that doesn't mean that I should just let it go. It actually is encouraging me more to understand the why behind it. What I've learned is that it is very important to read the Bible, all books of the Bible, in context. Context of the day, context of the expectations of the people, of the time of what in all-powerful and yet loving and just and righteous God will do. We often try to apply 21st century context to these passages that are thousands of years old, and it doesn't work that way. That's why particularly even more so now in today's modern society, you see people taking Scripture out of context, just posting scripture. And you can use any line in scripture to promote your view, and it'll work. And we see this with the promotion of unholy behavior, unrighteous behavior, bad behavior, a behavior which, if you read the Bible as a whole, and you feel and understand the reasons and the rationale behind it, you know that those behaviors are wrong. But if you take it little bits and pieces out of context, particularly since the Bible, even the King James version, these are not the original words as they were written down. It's the best translation probably that's out there. You have to kind of weigh though, a translation versus the understanding. And so a lot of that takes faith and prayer. So that's my message for you today. As difficult as reading some of these passages, some of these chapters and books in the Old Testament, remember the context, not only of the society of the people, but also in where it was in God's plan, completely different than where we're at today. And I think if you do that, it'll become more of a blessing for you as you continue to read through the Bible. That's it for this week. Looking forward to seeing you again at the same time. Thanks.